This episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Gamers Inn, where adventure begins. Check out their website at gamersinlehigh.com. Broadcasting live from the DCR studio. Oh yeah! The Geek Revolution starts here. Excellent! Get ready for the number one hit geek radio show out there. Well, it is impressive, isn't it? Because it's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Welcome back to another exciting episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Guess what? It's Monday. Or is it? Let's not do this again. <laughs> what? I'm really? going to get all confused, and it's it's just not going to be good. Right. It's Monday. It's, it's Monday. Everybody, it's, it's Monday. Monday. Hey, okay. my mic's on it? now. <laughs> Your mic's on now. Your Welcome. mic wasn't on. What the heck? I had solved the entire time continuum problem. You did? But I, nobody recorded it because my mic was off. Yep. Oh. <laughs> So okay. with that said, for all of you that wanted to know how to bend and warp time and Turn space, sorry. You missed it. We yep. are not sharing that with sorry. you. Yeah. yeah, no repeats. That's a trade secret mm-hmm. by Drew. <laughs> all right. So with that said, uh, we, we did have a great uh, show on Thursday with oh. Andrew Parks, uh, yes, one of the did. lead designers of D&D Attack Wing. Yeah. If you haven't listened to it already, you need to because it was awesome. There was a lot of, a lot of you heard it, for, oh, yeah. heard it first. There yeah. was a lot of was, you heard it first, which, wow. I mean, we've had several times where they've come on and done you've heard it first here, and it's normally been one or two things. It's like we kept pulling stuff out of him He really wanted to talk about it. It was cool. <laughs> he didn't have to pull. He wanted he, to He was just like offering it up to us on a platter. The silver yeah, dragon's right. going to be the most <laughs> amazing thing in the game. Yes. And then a couple of... Uh, what do they call it? Waves. Yeah. Waves later, yeah, I'm just the gonna smallest say figurine of the whole game is going to destroy everybody. everybody. <laughs> I'm just going to say one word. Dwarf. Go lo- listen to the show <laughs> and find out what that <laughs> means. I'm going to say two words. Tiamat and Bahamut. Ah. Boom! All right. So, uh, again, we just want to thank everyone that sent in emails, uh, giving us your feedback, and keep doing it. I mean, if you're out there, and even if you think it's dumb, Send it our way it because really we want to hear about it. Because, guys, you can hear me now. It, yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The, the proof is in this recording. What? Proof, proof is in the pudding, right? That's right. Yes. Uh, so so I, will, I, I will say this, though, in like in all seriousness, though. It's like it's great to get the feedback, but yeah. please, 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 one thing we will probably not look at is just ad hominem attacks. No. If you're just yeah. going to flame us and call us all kinds of names, we're probably just not going to look at it. Well, and the thing that I have liked so far, even though people have said, I hate this and this and this, they followed it up with saying, hey, but I like this, I like this, I like this. Yeah, it is still a positive. And and more importantly, they say, I hate this because. because." And that's it. If you give us the because. And it's okay. I mean, sometimes we just suck, and we need to know that. Just do it constructively, and we'll be open, open to it. We've already... Hopefully, rectified one of the issues, right? Woo-hoo! Everybody can hear you Zakora. Can hear me. <laughs> I was listening to my voice earlier. I sound so much different. Well, that's because you were from Boston. 
<laughs> so you That's sound right. different. And couldn't find her car keys. Yeah. Or couldn't was find my car keys because I left them in my car keys. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so <laughs> with that said, um, we don't got geek news because we, we got an overwhelming abundance. How many is it? Ten? Of Gamer Forge emails. We have like 10 or 11 or something like that. So awesome. we, because we've made the show shorter, we're going to try to get through all of these yeah. right now. Yep. Yes. So, uh, so let's do. just jump right in. So Kevin Holmes wrote in. He wants to. The subject is understanding magical weapons. I'm new to D and D. Some friends of mine told me about your show, and I have what you might consider a dumb question. When a PC finds a plus one weapon, what stat or stats increase by one? For example, in the Lost Mine of Phala- it's well, Fandelver, dude. And Fandelver adventure in the starter set. Yeah, not Philanderer. Yeah. Very different thing. <laughs> there is That's a plus me. one longsword. <laughs> what does it do? Like I said, probably sounds dumb, but I'm rather new to the game. Kevin. Kevin. No dumb question. That's well, no. right. I mean, there really isn't a dumb question. You're brand new, yeah. and you're figuring it out. I, I, I want to give you props for reaching out and trying to understand this, because it's this. better to understand it than try to fumble through the game. And be incorrect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because and be if you're incorrect. going being, if you're running off of incorrect information right from the get go, it's gonna ruin the whole. Also, well, yeah. it's way more fun to know right for yourself. Yeah. And, and there's also there's a very good chance I haven't looked at the starter set. Okay, mm-hmm. so I don't know what that is, uh, what what's in that, but that's a magical weapon in a very skinned down like trimmed back rule set. Yeah. They may not actually talk about magical weapons in the they starter don't. set. Yeah, they don't really So they it's don't. a it's a hole oh, yeah. in the rule set, okay? So this isn't you, Kevin. This is this is just kind of the byproduct of wanting to get people the flavor of the game without giving them all of the content well, first. And, and not only that, if you try yeah. to go to their website and get, you know, the the, the rules they published out there, mm-hmm. that doesn't even go over magical weapons. Right. You actually have to go get the the, 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 the Dungeon Master guide. guide, which just came out. Right. Um, yeah, because otherwise, so, otherwise they are kind of assuming you already know, Yeah, which is, I mean, un- I mean, yes, it sort of makes sense, and, all, and it's also unfortunate. Yeah. Maybe someone should write a newbie guide. A newbie guide? There there that actually be... is uh, Dungeons & Dragons oh, is for there? Dummies. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, there <laughs> you go. Let's go to Barnes & Noble. There, yes, that's good correct. <laughs> but uh, yes. very simply, this plus one adds to your attack roll and to your damage roll. Mm-hmm. That simple. It's a twofer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, yep. if this was a plus two we- uh, longsword, it would add plus two to your attack roll and to your damage. Yep. Got it? So Pretty simple. If strength is, uh, if you have a plus two modifier to strength and your proficiency bonus is three, you roll a d20, you add your five, you then add an additional plus one for the sword. Yep. And then let's say the sword does d6 damage, you roll a d6, you add two for your strength, you add an additional one for the plus one from the longsword. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Boom! There it is. Nailed it! You, and it's a lot easier to understand that if you have your character sheet in front of you. Yeah. yeah. All right, so let's jump to the next one. Uh, do we want to do the other magical item one? Yeah, we should. That's, that's one right after. Yeah, and I think, though, um, I, just, I guess one last thing as far as the um, coming um, when you're generating the the bonuses to your magical weapon, mm-hmm. too, um, you don't, I mean, you can really just add it all together. Right. Yeah, like you don't have to do, you don't have to do, I'm adding three and two and one. It can yeah. just be six. Yeah, yeah yep. because um, with the whole advantage-disadvantage mechanic, Separating all of those bonuses into their separate com- into their components is no longer necessary. Right, mm-hmm. as in previous editions. So I yeah. just did just that for illustration it. purposes. Yeah. No, that was probably, that's but you're spot on. Okay, uh, I, I wouldn't have thought. We got another one so from Dan Landers. Got it. Subject: Troubles with magic items. The lander. Yeah, that's what it's. Is this 
that's what his name Dan is. Dan Lander. Lander. Lander 88. <laughs> okay, I, I just recently picked up all three fifth edition books based on how positive you guys have been regarding the system. Well, thanks. Uh, I did play 4th edition for a bit, but the system was so confusing and seemed broken, and unfortunately, that was my first experience with D&D. So maybe you can help me out with my question. Looking through the alphabetical list of magic items, uh, which is in the DMG guide, I see it includes the following. Ammunition, plus 1, plus 2, or 3. Armor, plus 1, blah, blah, weapon. But there don't appear to be any generic spellcasting implements. I uh, had experienced expected a holy symbol plus one or even implement plus one there is the occasional specific wand rod etc but most of the finite or uh, most of the finite charges vary or variety sorry most of them are of a finite charge variety as Excuse in me. you have 50 charges right, to yeah. this wand and are only really for the more wizardly kind of spellcasters does fifth edition have generic spellcasting implements to provide a bonus to the attack or saving throw dc made with that implement does it have an any holy symbols or totems that include this if not would homebrewing such a thing have a significant effect on balance please let me know your input on this issue it would be greatly appreciated dan currently no dan yeah. landers the flanderer <laughs> yes. you know, no, currently that's not, that's not true people no yeah. uh, there is magical ammunition which is going to be like your arrows or your Crossbow bolts, bolts or like even <laughs> the the little sling rocks sling rocks so those could be imbued with magic and give you those pluses. Armor, of course, very self-explanatory. Yeah. Weapons, we you know, just we went just over that. that. Um, which I think is really great that we're doing these. Now, as far as holy symbols, that's already... The symbol itself is not magical, but it becomes that way because of your faith and belief in your, divi- your divine uh, yeah. God or, mm-hmm. or f- the person you're following, which makes it uh, a symbol that repels undead creatures and so forth mm-hmm. um i mean and we're talking and then like i mean to expand into like the, the like implements and stuff like mm-hmm. that because really all that is implements and holy symbols and stuff are merely the i guess the tool in which makes magic work yeah because they say because you can either use an an implement like for um, like warlocks for instance you can have you can use either an implement or I think you can just use a spell component pouch where you just grab whatever item it is and you throw it out yeah back guano yeah back yeah. guano <laughs> back guano is it what back guano and sulfur I think makes yeah. fireball. fireball makes fireball yeah but um so you could do either or and so having like implements <laughs> and stuff like that sort of def- uh, magic or plus one plus two plus three magical implements. Sort of defeats the purpose of of ever having spell components. Yeah, I I just want to point out because no one saw this, but Drew was just bouncing in his chair because he knew the components of a fireball. <laughs> no, and it's, I was it's actually I was doing that. I was giggling because Zakora was giggling at us because, because I realized it. what it was too. I was like, oh, yep, that's what poop. that is. Okay, yep. I, that I, poop I, and sulfur I that makes a fireball. I could see on Zakora's face was, so that she yeah. was going. You guys are such nerds. <laughs> you know the spell components to. to you know what though, <laughs> but that's like the best thing. Like that's the best reaction you can get out of yeah. it. Oh, you yeah, guys yeah. are such nerds, and I, I love you so much. It's so great. I typically make uh, spellcasters in my games. Like I, I incorporate it as part of the adventure where they forage for components. Right. Yeah. So you're in a cave. Guess what? You better scoop up some of that bat guano. Well, and, and everyone uh, does this differently, of course. You know the one thing I do like that they've they've really pushed into. Uh, the game is the wands and rods and that have charges. Yeah. You know, uh, second edition, you didn't have that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 
you, you could have someone that has a wand and it just lasts forever, which yeah. was really annoying. But now, mm-hmm. you know, if you're down to three charges left on your wand of healing, mm-hmm. you really have to debate is when this when bad enough to use? To use? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I remember um, well, a lot of our games where people just kept using it over and over. It's like, oh, I lost three points. Zing. Okay, yeah. it's back. It's like there's no consequences. Yeah. yeah. It takes it, away it the role-playing have you Have you ever had a hangnail in your toe? It's worth a charge. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's the worst. <laughs> I don't know. But a lot, but a lot, a lot of the uh, wands and rods and stuff now have a certain number of charges per day. Yeah. And yeah. so rather mm-hmm. than saying you have 50 charges and that's it, you just have 1d4 charges for that day and then if, if once you use them you can't I, Yeah, and use th- there is there tomorrow. are there is that balance where you have some that are daily charges and some that have a set amount of charges. So I really like that balance. You know, and you know, just going back, you know, I could just imagine, you know, you're sitting here in the adventure and it's like I just got my arm bit off. It's like Use the the wand. He's like, dude, I had to fix that toenail, la- yeah. that hangnail last night. It, it's out. <laughs> what? It was rubbing on the inside of my boot. Yeah. So, so his oh. question is, is now, as far as homebrewing. Yeah. I think you're going to really throw the balance off. Well, it, it won't. I don't think it would necessarily impact the balance, but it would just defeat the purpose of the alternative. Yeah, I mean, I I could see where you have. A plus one necklace of armor, where it it gives you right. You know, you're, you're not you're not you weren't playing clothes, but it gives you plus one right. yeah. to your current armor class because a mm. uh, fifth edition you're a zero if you're not wearing armor, mm-hmm. right? No, actually, or, that's not necessarily the case. There was a typo in the book. Oh, there was a typo. Yes, in the book. it was it was a typo in the book. But yeah, your base armor class is usually ten plus. Your okay, so it is a ten. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, geez. Yeah, who, needs who needs yeah, that one? Who needs that one? Let me let me tell you because that because of that typo. The it first time I played, difference. I yeah, played it does a, make a wizard, and there was nothing to indicate that armor class was anything else. Oh, and wow. so I'm like, is my armor class really <laughs> zero? two? Yeah. <laughs> so I I, I want to kick this back to three point five for a second. Sure. Too. Yeah. Um, I honestly um I haven't gotten a chance to fully read through the DMG for fifth edition yet. I have it. Right, I'll, I'll be reviewing it, but I haven't finished reading you that. You will giggle in, like a schoolgirl. In three, <laughs> in three five, um, you could enchant items with spell effects and all of that. And I don't know if that's here. You now. can still do that. So, like, I had I've talked about my cleric before, and this cleric was of a of a homebrew god of the domains where life and death death. And so, my DM allowed us to allowed me to take the bonuses from both domains so mm-hmm. I could turn better or I could heal better and then I could also raise undead and all that stuff. So I did, my holy symbol was a mask because the god was a faceless god of neutrality. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had, my holy symbol was just wearing my mask. I didn't have to present a That's cross. Cool. That's cool. Yeah. But I had like plus two to turning effects that was okay. imbued in that. So there is, so you can mm-hmm. homebrew that kind of stuff. And I just don't know mechanically in fifth edition if it allows for that. No, it does. Do fifth it. edition it does. is yeah. definitely designed to homebrew. Cool. It is designed to create your own stuff. If yeah. you really wanted a plus two uh, frying pan, yeah, the you know Tika, gives, you know you could. <laughs> um, yeah, I threw that out there. I love reason. it, Tika Whalen you know, smashing heads, man. Really, <laughs> for, frying pans. Who knew, the, right? You know, for. Everyday items you could easily, you know, enchant that. You could have a plus two baseball bat or a plus two board with a nail in it, you know, and chase off those aliens. Sweet, uh, write that down. <laughs> actually. Yeah, plus so two. you could, and that's the thing I do love about fifth edition. But it, you got to realize when you start doing that, that does kind of 
create a balanced tip because yeah. you know you're going to have a guy that's running around with a plus two board with a nail in it, and with versus a guy that has a sword. So you do kind you don't want to flood the market with tons of yeah you know what appear to be useless items that are magical. Uh, so or maybe you <clears throat> could have like depending on how many like for instance say someone wanted to make five of them mm -hmm. the more he made like the higher chance of you getting severe splinters every time you used it <laughs> <laughs> well this is i mean this is one thing that i i always try to strive for when i create magical items there's always a drawback yeah mm -hmm. so it really makes you you want to to really think hard about do i draw this sword mm -hmm. you know because there was one sword that was really cool but every time you drew it forth and you came and it was the chicken sword. So anytime mm -hmm. you came near an enemy, the rooster por portion of this chicken sword clucked. Or it went, it went oh. you know, so there was no sneaking up on anyone. Mm -hmm. But if it was sheathed, it was a different story. Um, and, so yeah. And you have two three and a half inch three ring binders full of magical weapons. Yes. So <laughs> I, I, I do I do things a little differently. Typically what happens, um, <laughs> just know that if your character really wants this plus something of something really cool, um, that there's an NPC probably in opposition of the characters that it has really something it. at least oh. that good. Yeah. Um, I typically would I would keep tally of Hey, my characters talked about. Oh, I really need this staff, or and I would give it to them. Like I was very generous with magic items and money and all of that. You want to build this awesome thing? Cool. But I was making tick marks in my DM journal that was like, yeah. okay, there are seventeen other really awesome magic items that NPCs are going to have at their disposal oh, yeah. when the time comes. So that's a way to balance it too. You can break it and that's then cool. you can fix it yourself. Well, yeah. I, and I, I definitely did that. And every time they picked up another magical implement. The bad guys got another one because you have to have. You got to be fair. You can't be walking in fully decked out in magic armor, magic swords, magic yeah, staffs, and, have no and then notice. and then you're going up against the rogue that's supposed to be the big villain of this scene, and he's got a rapier, and you know he looks like the Dread Pirate Roberts with no magical items. You know it just doesn't work. Yeah. My my DM, I really wanted something, and he gave it to me. And then the next encounter, he brought in an NPC who had a plus three whip of vampiric touch. <gasps> so he was oh a bard, and he would basically buff the group, and then he would snap his whip out. And every time he hit us, it sucked us, it sucked out our energy, oh. and it just healed himself. Oh. It was it was freaking brutal. Wow. Man. <laughs> All right, I think we've kind of pushed yeah, on yeah, this yeah, one. So let's move to the next one. Uh, Cantilla the Bard. I need help with. The fifth or fifth edition bards. I'm starting a bard on uh, on fifth edition. This is my first fifth edition campaign coming from Pathfinder. I can't seem to find any restrictions on cantrips. Do I automatically know all of them? Can I cast them an unlimited amount of times? So, yes and no. Okay. Because yes, you do know them, but you don't know them all at the same. time. Yeah. Okay. You have to memorize them. Yeah, before. you have to choose at the start of each day, or no, I think at the you can hang on to it at each level, or I think it's I think each it, day. I thought it was every time you slept. Yeah, every every time you take a long rest, you yeah, can yeah. You well, change, change which ones you know. So so there there's a column that is cantrips known. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. so you've got your bard okay. list of cantrips. Yes, you know that many of those, and you can cast them 
whenever. There's no actual limit to how many times you can cast a yeah, cantrip. Mo- yeah, yeah, most and, of, and, and most of these your cantrips first, are really low. Right, and then and besides cantrips known, you then also have your spells known, mm-hmm. which are based on your level, and then those mm-hmm. are limited by your slots. Yes. So okay. first level bard, or, or what uh, were they saying the specific level? No, no. first no. level bard, cantrips known two. You look at the bard list of cantrips, Choose two of them, and you can cast those freely throughout the day. Yeah. There's no limit to how many times yeah. you cast them. That's specifically for cantrips. So no, you don't know all the cantrips. You have to choose two to start with, and then those increase over time. But you can cast them unlimited. Yeah. And so it's like prestidigitation. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah some so of them are, yeah, I mean, there's there are some that are pretty handy. There yeah, are. for sure. But like, but they're not going to be nearly as potent as some of the other stuff. Well, and this is how Mike Merle's kind of explained it. You have those cantrips. You pick those two, and those are the two you know. Mm-hmm. Now, they're assuming that as you're adventuring, you are studying and trying to figure out these other s- cantrips and mm-hmm. spells. Mm-hmm. So they're just, instead of, oh, you have to go and learn these, they're just going to throw it out there. We're assuming, that because you're really interested in magic, that you are spending a portion of your day, even if it's walking, sitting on the horse, studying this. So when you level up, and it says you get one more cantrip or two more cantrips, you you can go into the book and say, I want those two cantrips, and then you have those two. Yep. So that's – and I love that explanation. And that's probably the simplest and best way because in past editions, you had to go find those spells and learn them and then Mm -hmm. make a roll to see if you you could write them into your spell book and and achieve those. So I really like that change in 5th edition. So I think that's pretty easy. You don't know all of them. You know the two you've selected at first level, and then it assumes you're studying for the next set when you level yeah, up. Yeah, when you actually learn. Learn another one. All right. Yeah, you can use cool. them an unlimited number of times. Most of them require just an action or a bonus yeah. action. Yeah. All right, so let's go. Demon Hunter 99. What happens demon. when a demon dies? Hey, guys, I'm playing World of Darkness 2nd Edition, and I'm trying to figure this out. I feel like a lot of things are mystically tied to either the demon or its covers. So what happens when the demon, its covers, and miscellaneous associated things, people's memories, reality, covered, created created. things, when the demon itself dies. Please help me out here. So he's implying that reality ceases to be when a demon dies? Is that what I'm getting here? Well, there might be a certain reality is happening because a demon is in the world, you know... um, Maybe the demon's tied to a person's memory. Uh, just things that are covering up the demon, I, I'm guessing. <sighs> are you talking I, like glamour type stuff? Well, no, this is part of it. Kind of. Okay. That's part of so, it. So, yeah. you know, I, 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 I want to pull from Constantine, the TV series. They do a really good job there where a demon is roaming around, but maybe you can't see them mm-hmm. because they're not perceptible, but you can see them out of the corner of the eye or they possess someone. Or maybe they're tied to an object or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of how World of Darkness runs, which is a really fun system. It really is. Um, and I can't remember. Because in D&D, so, demons don't die. Right. They get banished. They get yeah. banished. And, 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 but so, I do think in World of Darkness, they are destroyed, if I remember let, right, or not. It is possible to destroy. It's possible to destroy them, yeah. Uh, and, I, and I don't know. Cause, uh, so I just had my first experience. I've played four or five sessions mm-hmm. of Demon the Descent, which is... Right, yeah. one of the mm-hmm. one of the settings for World of Darkness, and I so I assume that it's the same line of thinking. Yes. Only this focuses on demons. Yes, and the whole goal is 
to build and acquire covers that that allow you to take on a human form and persona. Correct. And so, oh, yeah, I see. Okay, so it's 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 like a cover. You know, good yeah. example: yeah. Men in Black, mm-hmm. the Edgar suit. Yeah, anything that allows you to hide in plain sight <laughs> yes. and manipulate the world. Yeah, yeah. Is uh, so you know, again, this is just my opinion. It's been a while since I played uh, World of Darkness. When you destroy those covers or anything it's tied to, you're you're really weakening the demon itself. Oh yeah. You know, it's kind of like I'm, I'm, I hate to use this, but the Horcruxes from Harry Potter. Yeah. Everyone yeah. that was destroyed, it weakened him further. Uh, Voldemort further, and it kind of works the same way with the demon to the point where you can finally actually maybe have a chance of destroying it. Yeah. Mm. In Demon the Descent, what happens? Typically when you get defeated, um, when you get defeated, the god machine comes down. Like, you're basically incapacitated in some level. The god machine comes down. Sorry, I've got a little frog. In my I just turned you up. <laughs> the god machine will send out another program or angel that will pick you up and then they basically bring you back to um one of the main spots and you are then just reprogrammed and recirculated as another program right yeah. so it's really in demon the descent angels are programs that are created by the god machine to do certain mm-hmm. things and demons are the fallen angels which means that something's gone wrong in your programming and you've kind of actualized into a personality and you take on other covers mm-hmm. So when you're defeated, ultimately the people the people you're fighting are other angels or people working for the god machine. So when you're defeated, they pick they basically just pick you up, they bring you to a facility, you're rebooted into an and your character's dead, you create another character or another program which mm-hmm. is a fallen angel. So so that's how yeah. it works in the descent and I don't know, I, I think the rationale is probably on the same line, just maybe not as in depth with yeah. just World well, of Darkness Second Edition. No, I mean I think that's a good example. Uh, kind of a visual example is The Matrix. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's exactly right. Yeah, Agent Smith is a demon. Yeah, and you know. and, and I mean I guess if you really no, want to Angel Angels uh, Agent Smith. Agent Smith would be an angel. Well, he was Neo originally would be a demon. Neo well, no, well he was originally, but then he became kind of a virus, so he kind of went to the well, demon yeah. Side well, if you even yeah, over. I mean but if yeah, you want to get Neo could be well, if you want to get into like the real nitty gritty of it, actually, that was one of their inspirations for Agent Smith because you can uh, even in the third Matrix movie, he was represented. His icon was a demon head. Yeah, mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, so that was sort of. How that came about? I don't remember three very well. Yeah, a lot of people don't. (laughs) We just don't want to. So, um, okay. I think that kind of answers this. And if it doesn't, Demon Um, Hunter, write us again. Yeah, write us again and help clarify. Yeah, Um, I I would think that. I mean, the memories of that cover would just be that. They would just be. Oh, I remember that creepy old person over there. All right. Yeah, and that would be the end of it. Yeah. All right. So, um, let's go to the next one. He who shall not be named. D and D fifth edition questions. What is the <laughs> difference between ability checks and saving throws? Uh, mechanically, they both seem to be D twenty rolls with the added ability modifier to overcome some types of challenge. Why is it uh, why it uh, saving throw and not just present uh, as a passive ability check? The reason I'm confused is that I'm coming from fourth edition and they were completely different mechanics in that game. The use of two terms to describe what is basically the same thing see, uh, seems confusing to me. So, I think this is really simple. Between an ability check and a saving throw. Because saving throws have, they've changed the saving throws 
because if there's a reflex saving throw, right? Right. Um, mm-hmm. There is a strength save throw uh, and some other things, if I remember. They're more specific. They're, yeah, they're very specific. And each class has save throws from those ones that are tied to your ability modifiers. Mm-hmm. Wait, are we talking about 4th edition here? 5th edition. 5th edition. came from 4th edition. Yeah. And moving so, into fifth, so yeah, so but so each ability has its corresponding saving throw. Correct, and so I think that's where it's confusing him because the saving throws well, there was three. You know, you had willpower, you had will, fortitude, and reflex. Yep. Now you have strength. You know, you have e- uh, a saving yeah. throw tied to every ability, mm-hmm. and then you can do an ability check where you add the modifier of that ability, which I think is where it's confusing him. I see. Yeah, so the, I mean, there really isn't a difference between a saving throw and the ability check. Well, the saving throw so does much. have a little bit extra on it, doesn't huh? it? The saving throw? That's only if you're proficient in the saving okay. throw. Right. But you, so, so you pretty much would treat every ability check as a saving okay. throw. So if you like, let's say I am making a dexterity a dexterity check, mm-hmm. just say dexterity saving throw. Okay, it would be the it, it's effectively yeah. the same thing. It, yeah. So, but the only difference between ability check and save throw is you can uh, specialize. You can have, your or, or excuse me, a proficiency <laughs> in that yes. save throw, yeah. which will give you bonuses where you don't have a proficiency with Correct. the ability check. Correct. There you go. There it is. We got there. <laughs> we found our way. Yep. Okay. So, so just to recap, then every class has two saving throw abilities, right? Yes, so you are normally... Wisdom, mm-hmm. yeah. and those are the ones you gain your proficiency bonus with. The rest, you, the you don't have that proficiency bonus, yes. Yeah, but you just use your ability modifier. There we go. I there really go. love <laughs> this name. The King of the Cowardly Kobolds. I need help with 5th edition. Wow, we're just knowing 5th edition out left and right. Help love me, it. please. I am begging you. I am just not able to figure this out on my own. How is throwing distance computed for improvised weapons? I have a player whose favorite tactic is chucking oil flask at <laughs> opponents and lighting them on fire. <laughs> Good call. So this comes up a fair amount. I haven't found anything in the player's handbook that covers throwing things, nor in the DMG. It seems to me that things which aren't balanced for throwing would have less distance than things which are. Uh, Twenty sixty for dagger, handle, etc. Are there explicit rules, or am I on my own? Now, mm-hmm. luckily... You know, we were talking about these before. You know, Joe has played a character that has done this. Actively, actively. actively. I'm, <laughs> I'm still actively playing this he character. Knows, actively throwing improvised he weapons. He knows the rule. I know. <laughs> Very simply, it's easy. Yep. Your short range is always 10 feet. Yeah. And that's it. So if he's there throwing a flask, he can only throw it 10 feet. Doesn't matter ten. if he's got a 25 Well, that's your, short, that's your short range. Anything uh, past that, you start taking the... the uh, you the have disadvantage yeah. on, yeah. The, on the throw beyond that. Because but, it is not literally not made to be thrown. Even if it is a flask of oil, it is a flask of a liquid. Have yeah. you ever tried throwing a two-liter bottle of soda yeah. right there? It doesn't go very well. Yeah, it doesn't... Yeah, it wobble, 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 yeah. wobble, wobbles. Well, Although, and, and I mean, if you're um, going realistically, throwing a yeah, glass, might, glass we, we, oil, we may have a correction might, for fifth edition. It might for real? Be yeah. Easier. Uh, page mm-hmm. one forty six under the equipment and improvised weapons. Okay. It's a carryover from page one forty seven where they talk about improvised weapons. Uh, an improvised thrown weapon has a normal range of twenty feet. Oh, and a, twenty feet. Oh. A long range of sixty. Okay, so twenty. Okay, okay 26 so twenty. To a but then, okay, so twenty feet. Excuse me, yep, not sorry. ten. No, but then you get the decrease, the disadvantage as you go from twenty out to sixty. Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. So, but you so can't hurl at but it, more than okay, sixty. But I it could is totally a, throw a flask twenty yeah. feet, mm-hmm. guys. Well, 
I guess you'd have to, yeah, you could do that. (laughs) Are you looking at my arms? Uh, uh, A (laughs) flask? 20 feet. Yeah, well, I I mean, what kind of flask are we talking about? Like, you know, a glass flask? It's weight. It's got a bottle of water. All right. Okay. A bottle of water. 30 feet. Easy. All right. So 20 feet and then beyond that. But I do like the fact that they have a set amount. So it is 20 feet. So what page is that on? Page 148 of the player handbook. So 148. There you go. King of the Cowardly Cobalt. You have your answer. Now go, there you go. smack and your remember, uh, remember <laughs> proficiency bonus applies as normal. Yep. yep. So I highly, t- I highly recommend taking the tavern brawler feat because it makes you proficient in awesome. improvised, improvised weapons. weapons. That's, That's awesome. Cool. <laughs> All right, Michael Ford writes in. <laughs> Help! Fjord. I'm completely new to D and D and have run into some troubles with combat. I've read the rules uh, for the starter set multiple times and they say nothing when rolling the d20 for attacks. The ability modifier and proficiency bonus should add should be added but says nothing about the attack bonus listed next to the weapon's name. I'm wondering what to do with that bonus. Uh, is it added to the attack roll along with the ability modifier and the proficiency bonus? Thank you. So I looked in the player handbook because, mm-hmm. again, I, we don't have the starter set, and I don't. it doesn't have an attack bonus listed next to the weapons in the player handbook. The only thing I can assume is that the... Uh, Either it's a magical item, or or we're looking at damage, or they put damage on there. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, um, where it's a one d six plus one. Well, the um, what I think what if I am reading this right? Because mm-hmm. um, without an actual, because uh, I mean I'm not seeing what he's seeing, or yeah, what's well, Michael? So yeah, it's, it should be a he. Um, is the <coughs> the attack bonus is the ability to modify and the proficiency bonus. What they do yes. is they are condensing it into one number so that way you are Yeah. Uh, it's it's okay. condensed. So yeah. so they've just added the numbers together for the players yes. for the sake of it being a starter set. So yep. let's say okay. let's Four say it's events. a bugbear yes. and it the weapon is a one D eight plus three. Yeah. They've already added that the proficiency. Yeah, they, yeah. Bit, so well, a lot of the times, especially like in the um that like makes in the monster now. manual and stuff, yeah. where it'll say like the attack does, you know, four D six plus four damage and then they'll have a number in parentheses next to it. Yeah. That's sort of that's like the mean or median damage. Yeah. yeah. Where it's sort of like rather than try to do all the math all the time, you can just say it does that set amount. Yeah. Same thing. So yeah. a way to double check that, Michael, would be to look at what the attack bonus is listed on the sheet. And then see if that is the sum total of your strength modifier plus your proficiency bonus, right? And there that should is. be should be the same number. Um, but that makes total sense, guy named Joe. You're very smart. All right. Yes, well I'm done. That actually, I'm, I'm now that you've explained smart. it, I'm very convincing. We're moving on to the next one from Frodo down low. Fro- <laughs> this is my favorite. Frodo I love it. Hey guys, my question is actually rather straightforward, but many of the people in my gaming group seem to be confused about it. When a sixth or level or higher level paladin has that has aura of protection rolls a charisma save, does he essentially add his charisma modifier twice in that kind of roll? Have you, or have you help explain this? Have you? Can, <laughs> can you again? I'm uh, guessing uh, it's, it's autocorrect, man. <laughs> it's got to be some. Um, so, sixth level or higher paladin casts aura of protection. Does this allow him to add his charisma modifier twice? It, the book states on page 85, at 6th level, whenever you or a friendly creature within 10 feet of you must make a saving throw, 
The creature gains a bonus to the saving throw equal to your charisma modifier with him a minimum bonus of one. You must be conscious to grant this bonus. Uh, 18th level, the range of this aura increases to 30 feet. So whenever you are friendly creatures within 10 feet has to make the saving throw, the creature gets the charisma modifier added to that throw. Yep. So what Just I think, once. yeah, it, but what I think he's, as he's reading it, is he's reading himself oh. as a creature in that aura. So if yeah. he, Yeah, because, okay. well, it says whenever you or a creature in that, yeah. Yeah, yeah so says, then he would. Yeah, he gets double do his charisma bonus. Twice. Okay. It pays to be pretty when you're a paladin. Yeah, <laughs> you like that? It's a nice alliteration be- stick. That because was, what, that what, what you're awesome. getting, that one's free. Yeah. Because what you're getting is you have your innate charisma, which helps against that saving throw, yeah. mm-hmm. plus the magical benefit of the aura. Mm-hmm. Yes, correct. Very good. Well, yep. so but it, it only the charisma modifier would only doubly apply if the saving check was a charisma. Yes, a correct. Check. Mm-hmm. Right, so if it's mm-hmm. a let's say it's a wisdom check, oh, like a wisdom based saving throw, yeah, then you would get wisdom plus charisma, yeah. But if it was a charisma based saving throw, you'd get charisma twice. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to skip the next one. We'll come back to that one last because it's pretty long. Okay. Um, but we are actually doing awesome on time. So Tony Holmes, right in. Okay, Dungeon Crawlers. Here is my question in a nutshell: Why would an a- an amphibious storm giant need the ability to cast water breathing. In the Monster Manual on page 156, a storm giant is described as amphibious. The giant can breathe air and water, yet it has the innate spellcasting ability to cast water breathing three times a day. <laughs> Why would it need to cast water breathing if it can already <laughs> breathe water as a natural That's ability? Good question. Amazing question. Um, I would say because he fell in love with a non-amphibious, non-water breathing Storm and giant. to grant that and ability to, to someone else. Has well, to give it to that someone else. That is the best explanation <laughs> of <laughs> any rule I've ever heard well, in my I, life. Well, in, <laughs> in my mind reading this, I'm just like, well, he may have troops. That yeah, need to there's, there's got to be someone. Yeah, let's, let, let's consult so the I, I just wanted to hear what other people had to say. Yeah, let's, and let's I'm really glad we got book. to hear Zakora's yeah. response. <laughs> it was fantastic. Like, duh, he fell in love and he wants to bring his lover into the ocean. He fell in love with another giant that couldn't. And so they yeah. need to make babies somewhere. <laughs> I didn't say make babies. <laughs> oh my god! Fell in love with a sand giant. giant. Yeah, you yeah. get sand everywhere. Okay, it's not fun. <laughs> 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 okay, uh, water breathing. Page two eighty seven of the player handbook. Uh, first line: This spell grants up to ten willing creatures you can see within range the ability to breathe underwater until the spell's end. Well, there you yeah, go. a whole army. You could, you could pack your minions and your everything, or children. Yo, yeah. hey, <laughs> I I really hate uh, tritons because tritons are dicks and they stab you with tridents, right? Yeah. yeah. So bring a whole squad of storm giants <laughs> underwater, or one storm giant and a bunch of tree men, or yeah, uh, whatever. Bring your crew. Uh, buff them up. It's a 24-hour spell duration. Wow. A bunch of people underwater with so a storm can, giant. So you get an army totally, of 30 You can guys. totally bring your girlfriend down under the water for a while. <laughs> you can have a party. So, <laughs> yeah, and here's, know, right? and here's the way you do it, okay? You go to the water. If I wanted to be very complicated, I would say we'd go to the water mm-hmm. and find a way to mass buff levitate the group of people, including the storm giant, right? Mm-hmm. And have them holding... The heaviest boulders they can. Let's say they're going to explore an underwater city. Oh, yeah. Okay? So they levitate above it, holding these rocks. They cast water breathing, and then they kill the levitate spell. 
They drop in the water. The rocks drop them straight to the bottom. Now they go do their exploring, and then they just swim back to the surface when they're ready. But that way they get the most amount of time in the spell's that duration. That is so smart. Right? Just add the That's weight. That's a genius. You want to you yeah. sink as quickly as possible. Don't worry about the bands. The bands don't exist in D&D, okay? <laughs> and You're not going to get oxygen bubbles in your blood. <laughs> and too bad levitation is not a mass spell. Well, so uh, I said figure out a way to do it. Do that, yeah. Creative spell, folks. <laughs> Yeah. Spend, did, did spend one night where the wizard prepares seven uh, levitation spells and then cast it on everybody. I don't know. If, I think that's a I, shut yeah, up. I know what you're going to say. It's an levitation it's a is only. now a concentration oh, spell. Oh gosh, <laughs> that's that's the one thing I have had a hard time wrapping my brain around is concentration. Though, I, but it brings a lot of balance with spells. It does, yes, but it I really is. like the buff tank. Yeah, <laughs> buff tank's gone. All right, I still so like my explanation. Beefcake, the buff tank. Yeah. yeah. Girlfriend, lovers, Ooh, yep. baby tan, yep. underwater. Just, <laughs> just, hold, just hold the boulder. <laughs> and then All right. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. <laughs> All right, so last one here. Uh, this is from Nashville DM. Subject is trying to fix my mistakes. I recently put together a gaming group composed of friends new to role-playing who were excited to try some D&D. We've only had four sessions so far, and the players are really enjoying themselves, but I am a rookie DM. And I've made some mistakes. As a result, I want to start over with a new campaign and new characters, but I'm concerned that my players will feel robbed by en- ending the campaign. My playing experience has mostly been as a player uh, in play-by-post games online. Yep. Uh, it's given me experience impro- improving and thinking on my feet, but actually DMing has shown me that I still had a lot to learn. I made a bunch of mistakes, and I've learned from them, but they're now built into the campaign we're playing. I was enamored with the setting and relied on the players sharing my enthusiasm. I wrote a few pages of setting primer, and I helped everyone develop individual backstories. But in practice, I couldn't maintain the tone of the game, and it was quickly overwritten by the chaos my players unleashed. As I couldn't consistently present the setting, it quickly became very... Python-esque. I like that one. Monty Python there. And the game doesn't fit with my picture of the world now. Of course, my players enjoy it, and that's what counts, but it's becoming harder for me to actually run the game. To fix my mistakes, I decided that I would need to drop the current campaign altogether. I've already brought it up with, in a conversation with them, and here's what I'm aiming at now. Making new characters together as a party, with my help, no individual backstories. We'll just roll some personality traits, ideals, etc., and see what emerges. Playing a generic, unexplored setting like Points of Light from D&D 4th Edition, that way our gameplay and my setting expectations won't click so much. We have yet to discuss it, so what I can I do to not make them feel like they've been robbed of the game? I don't think I have a right to say no if they really want to stick with the first campaign, but I really don't enjoy running it anymore. Ooh, I have a really good idea. Okay. Okay, so you... Your group encounters a really powerful wizard or a magician or something, and he casts a spell. Like you're 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 fighting him and you're about to be defeated, and this wizard like casts a spell and erases everybody's memories and teleports them to a different realm. Okay, it's points of light, right? So that it's kind of on the planescape kind of idea. Yeah, this mm-hmm. is kind of like or another just, plane. Yeah. You bring them to another plane or another reality, and yeah, and do that. That's so that way, you're still like you know, it's story driven. You're not just like yeah. taking them out. It's not like whiplash or anything. You're just like well, so there's there's a big 
plus to that and the fact that if you create new characters, you put them in a different world, at some point you could then unleash flashbacks on the characters, mm-hmm. little parts of this. Like someone says something like they just mentioned the word newt and one of the players <laughs> then goes into a Monty Python thing about newts, right? Um, then, then that's like, oh, wait, I remember what? something about yeah. that. What's, what's happening? It could so, be really cool. There you go. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, I really like... There's one part of this that really stood out to me when I was reading this is he did all this work and then it was quickly overridden by the chaos his players unleashed. That's circled on my paper. I'm just going to say this. As a DM, I've DM'd for years. I've had many different players, and I'm going to say this. That will always happen. (laughs) I, I, yeah. Alan. <laughs> I know. I was just. I, I'm just gonna say. <laughs> I cannot. We change. are looking at yeah. you, Alan. <laughs> yeah. Bar. I mean, Joe has seen the adventure manuals I build. I mean, I, they have covers. They have everything. And I, I, I sit there, and every point, I'm like, okay, this player's gonna probably do this. This, and I, and I put in all these different multiple arcs where it could be. And I, I, I there have been multiple times where I have 60, 70, 80 pages of adventure, and we do 10. Yeah, seriously. Because it's like... Your adventures have more cover sheets than the TPS report. I know. know. (laughs) But seriously, they're like, screw this, we're not going for the princess, we're going to go kill the dragon off in, you know, La La Land. Yeah. And that's where they go. As a DM, you got to be quick on your feet because your players are not going to do what you expect. And if you try to pull them back into the story, they're going to fight you even more. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You got to make yeah, it they, fun. People can tell when they're being railroaded. Yeah. So, you did know, you want to add something? Not yet. No. You yeah. know, I, I, I'm just going to wrap this up real quick with my my response. The best gaming experience that I've had, and Joe was part of that, where we got pulled through the entire story was done by Paul Janess. Mm-hmm. He completely wove the story so beautifully. That we were making choices that he wanted us to make, but we didn't realize that we were being pulled in that direction. Yeah, it's entirely yeah. okay to sort of lead players by the yeah. nose a little bit. Yeah. But we felt like we were making the decisions. Oh, yeah. We never once felt like he was pulling us along by a string, but he was. Yeah. And yeah. if you can get to that point, awesome. It's about subtlety. It is. It really mm-hmm. is. Uh, but ultimately, you know, just realize that chaos is always going to be there. Someone will cause it. Yeah, even yeah. even if not in, even if not intentionally, yeah. but it will happen. True. Um, so the part that really stuck out to me um, is uh, mentioning that he's been doing a lot of play by post games. Mm-hmm. I have years of experience on MythWeavers dot com doing play by post, running games and playing games. Uh, Nashville DM. If you play on Myth MythWeavers dot com, you can look me up as Laced L A I C E D. Um, that's my, but I haven't been there in quite a while since joining the show. I haven't been on the site. There are some things that are intrinsically bad with learning to game on play by post. Okay. Um, you make a post you have until your next required post to think about that action. And that's true for the player and the DM both. So the one thing, if you're, if you're trying to cut your teeth DMing on play by post, um, it's the worst way to learn to DM because you're not learning uh, improv. You're not learning how to improvise and, and think on the fly. And it's fine because 
there are some things that play by post does extremely well. It allows you mm-hmm. to tell a very rich story. Um, it allows you to think through your actions instead of one person in the group say, Hey, let's do that. And everybody else say, sure, that sounds good. Mm-hmm. Now you can actually think about your character and what you're doing. Um, so there are things that does well. There are things that does not do well. Um, subtlety is lost in play by post. So where Paul Janess will, will weave you through this beautiful story and lead you by the nose and you'll never know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in play by post, typically it feels like railroading. If the DM is trying to hint that you do something, it's going to feel like railroading. But you you, you got to remember that for a group to make a decision on what to do could take a week worth of real times post, right? Yeah. It could take a very long time just mm-hmm. to decide it, do we go to village A or village B? Mm-hmm. And so, um, so the, don't go to village in. Yeah, don't go to. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I, so, so there, that no, that's good. So <laughs> there's there's that right. Mm-hmm. So some of the stuff that you're learning through play by post is not going to translate well into tabletop. Um, some of the stuff that you need to be an effective DM on tabletop, you're only going to learn at the table. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So, so there's nothing wrong with with what you've done. Uh, I would totally say, um, you both. Everybody has to enjoy the game. Yep. Right? Yeah. Right. Including the D, you. And if the DM isn't enjoying the game, nobody's enjoying the game. Right. <laughs> so. And even if they are now, it's going to show up. Right. Because Very if you're not thing. excited and you're not putting that enthusiasm in, they're going to tell. Yeah. And then it's going to drag the game down. Yeah. So I, I think it's it's worthy, you know, that you've realized that you're not having fun um, and that you want to start over. One thing, you're going to make mistakes. That's yep. just going to happen. It's always going to happen. You know, let's face it. Look, you know, kind of look back at yourself. When you were a, a newbie player, you made mistakes left and right. Yeah. You, you had to learn the ropes, how to play well and how to design your character so that it best worked for you. You're going to go through those same bumps and bruises as a DM. You know, even if you start over, you're probably going to make mistakes again. You know, I think the first thing is accept that, you know, but do it in a fun way. I mean, maybe not completely scrap this. You know, there is uh, Zakora's idea, which was awesome. You know, that spell where you can kind of get a fresh start, but then that way they don't feel like they lost their character because you can throw in those those little flashback ideas, which kind of gets them to to come back to, hey, wait a minute. Uh, And that might be fun for them. Uh, that way they don't get a complete reboot because let's face it, just like Spider Man, and we d- we don't want a new reboot. We don't like reboots. You know, we want that story yeah. that we've been right. working. Yeah. on. Hollywood executives yeah. love reboots. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gamers <laughs> don't. <laughs> yeah. So y- 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 go ahead, Zakora. I was just gonna say, from what he said, you know, this is a new group, or you know, friends of his that are yeah. new to role playing. So just be like, hey, kind of give him a heads up, like. Tell them how you're feeling. Yes, you know. Yeah, you know, be upfront. Yeah. That's if, always yeah. best. If yeah. you have the same conversation with them that you've written into us about, everybody will be able to decide on something. Oh, yeah. what, what's yeah. best for the group? And really, your players need to know that you need to be able to have as much fun with this as as they are. And it is the worst. Rev and I both know. Joe knows when you put your blood, sweat, and tears into world building. And then you get in there, and they just start traipsing around like oh, yeah. some freaking gremlins that have no respect for what you've done. <laughs> it like it breaks your heart. Does um, mm-hmm. but I, I will go back to the same thing that Rev said with um, your players, the the chaos your players unleashed. Your players yeah. 
if we if we're if we want to get really real here, your players have unleashed that chaos because you allowed them to. Yeah. Right. So you need to let them have rain, but there's no reason why you can't smack them over the head when they get stupid. Well, right? they got consequences. <laughs> there's you know, always there consequences. is consequences. So uh, another fun thing I was I just thought of right now. So they've kind of changed it into a Monty Python movie. Well, turn it into a Monty Python movie right back at them. You know, let all that craziness and chaos and weirdness yeah. happen. You know, they, they trample into a cave. There is a giant what, yeah. freaking beast of unknown scariness facing them that they have to now oh, face. Man. Or they <laughs> I thought you were going to say it was One, a bunch of two, virgins. five, three, my lord. It could be a bunch of virgins. <laughs> Who knows? They don't want to be spanked. Spank me. But really, <laughs> you know, if, that's, if they don't really want to change, but that's the way they're playing... It, and, and you like Python, Monty Python? Make it that way. Yeah. You know, yeah, have a lot that. of fun running with that idea. And then they're going to get it back in their face. I mean, really. Well, and, and you really turn, and that really is sort of turning you know, the whole lemons into lemonade yeah. thing going yeah. on there. You made something that maybe wasn't going to be so great into something good. And even if you're only running this Monty Python game for just a while longer, at least make that little while longer memorable. Yeah. Heck yeah. Make, make it fun. Get, so. get them to the cave. The big many-eyed monster, TPK everybody, and then start over. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then you can, or what I on a serious level, what I was going to say along Zakora's line is, oh, that's a bunny uh, rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you, you talk about points of light in here. I, I like points of light um, for for a lot of reasons, and there's some reasons I don't like the idea of the points of light. But what you could do, uh, and maybe instead of planescaping them somewhere else or bringing them to a different point of light. Um, most of us, when we homebrew, we do like a continent at a time, right? Yeah. We focus, m- give them a reason they have to go to another continent and the kind of traipsing around in, in the Monty Python-esque stuff that they're doing now may not be taken kindly yeah. in another culture, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. another way to do it. Yeah. We got to go to these lands, but it's a completely different culture. And if you act this way there, they're going to chop your face off. Yeah. <laughs> well, with that said, we've gotten through all these, but That's we got to wrap awesome. up. Awesome, smashed that was them so all. much fun. All right, so uh, we hope you enjoyed Thursday's show. We will have Michael Brent Collins on the show talking about his new book and maybe Golden Babies. Uh, but with that said, uh, we're gonna have lots of fun, and uh, we'll continue to bring you great shows. And please, please continue writing in your Gamer Forge stuff. And if you have any suggestions, any likes or dislikes, let us know. Uh, so until Thursday. Yeah, please uh, yeah. please find us at info at DungeonCollegeRadio.com or you can always email email the Gamer Forge, please, at GamerForge at DungeonCollegeRadio.com. Hey, I what got that the, right? What, what's going to be up on the website? Oh, we're, we're, you're going to actually see on the website in words, written words, not our spoken words, how this turned out. Nice. Gamer Forge. The Gamer, right. yeah, the Gamer Forge. Okay, yeah. we'll see you Thursday. With that said. Oh, I, I get to do it again? Again. Nice. Good night, Salt Lake. Good night, world. Get more from your games. Yay. <laughs> Join us in Provo, Utah, between February 12th through the 14th for Life, the Universe, and Everything, a three-day academic symposium on all aspects of science fiction and fantasy. LTUE is a gathering place for fans and creative professionals to hang out and share their love of all things fantastical. Buy your membership before January 1st for $45, after January 1st for $55. You must book your hotel room before January 21st. Come meet industry pros, hone your craft, and take your art to the next level at Life, the Universe, and Everything. For more information on the symposium, visit LTUE.net.